Chapter Twenty Five of An Unwilling Guest by Grace Livingston Hill. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Chapter Twenty Five Enchantments. It was but for two or three minutes that they stood there, perhaps, with the wild yelling multitude of men, women, and children, dishevelled and dirty, tearing madly by and the red glare of the engines lighting the scene weirdly yet in that short time allison in her safe retreat seemed to have changed into a new being she hardly understood the sudden throb of joy and delight in her protector's strength that rushed over her it was beautiful to be so taken care of it was all a tumult below her but she shut her eyes to the scene outside in that doorway it was safe and peaceful when the uproar had passed, he drew her hand firmly within his arms and led her rapidly away. She did not say a word. She walked as in a dream. She scarcely noticed what he did when he hailed a passing cab and put her in it. "'You poor child, were you terribly frightened?' he asked tenderly. "'No, only at first, said Allison, with a ring of joy in her voice. "'I knew you would take care of me.' He reached over and took one of her little gloved hands and held it in his own with a firm pressure. It was delightful to be cared for so tenderly. It was joy to have him hold her hand. What did it mean? She must not allow herself to love him. He was not for her. He was rich and in the great world, worldly. He was not a Christian, yes, and in the memory of the words he had just spoken, before the crowd came upon them, surged over her with another wave of joy, and her hand trembled slightly in his. He placed his other hand over hers then, as if she needed protection. It was as if their hearts could speak to one another through their hands, and she felt in entire harmony with him. For a moment she gave herself up to the delight of it. Then conscience awoke and clamored loudly. But was this Allison? What was the matter with her? she who had been brought up to hold her eyes modestly from the world who had always felt that no improprieties should be allowed that flirting was dreadful and had labored most earnestly with her mill girls to prevent them from dancing on the ground that dancing permitted too much familiarity she to do this this was an undercurrent of thought but she would not reason now Several times conscience spoke loudly enough to be heard above the tumult of her happy heart, and she almost tried to withdraw her hand. Once she quite succeeded in doing so, and found her heart leaping in gladness that he had reached out and taken it again. And so, in this half-ecstatic state, and talking both of them about the meeting and the fire and their escape, anything but the thought that was uppermost in their minds, they reached the house and were surprised to find that the cab had halted. Allison's feet were scarcely on the pavement before her full senses returned. She turned and fled up the steps while Richard was paying the cabman, and had succeeded in bringing John to the door before the fare was amicably settled. She paused only a moment to discover that Evelyn's light was out and all was still before she went into her own room and locked the door. There she flung her wraps from her and sat down in the dark, with her burning face in her hands. What had she done, been just like any unprincipled girl, allowed a man, who had not told her he loved her, to hold her hand for probably half an hour, perhaps more, 
She had no idea of the flight of time. It did not matter. What was time in an affair like this? Probably he was used to holding girls' hands. Probably the girls he knew allowed such liberties often. Her brother had told her once of a college classmate who made it a practice of going around getting girls' handkerchiefs to make a collection. He had a hundred and thirty at that time. Who would want to be one of a hundred and thirty girls to share a man's, what, not affections, in such infinitesimal parts? But he had not seemed like that. He had seemed good and noble, but then she must remember that he probably did not think anything of such familiarities, that he was just trying to be kind to her in what he supposed had been a time of fear. Oh, how she had disgraced herself and all her family! What would mother think of her? And father, father who objected to her going to a children's surprise party when she was quite young, because he told her that they would be sure to play kissing games, and he did not want his little girl kissed by any boy. And when she had insisted, and he had yielded to her promise that she would have nothing to do with such games, lo, she had been caught by a foolish bet of one boy to kiss her, just because she had declared she would not play in that way. She could remember now, and feel again the remorse and anguish with which she went home with her father when he called for her at the appointed hour, and confessed her shame and defeat. He had talked so kindly and gently to her about it, and had explained the beauty of the purity of womanhood, and that familiarities should be saved for the time when one should come to claim her love and life companionship. She had believed it, and rejoiced in the ideal her father had set before her and now she had gone against all his teachings. How was it she had so fallen? He would think her a simple little country ignoramus, or worse, a flirt, whose talk of Christ had all been for show, and whose real inner life was against her profession. It would, maybe, lead him away from Christ now, just now, when he was coming into the light. Something must be done, but what? Could it be explained? Could she do it? Oh, how could she speak of it? put it into cold words that she had let him hold her hand for so long and had done nothing to stop it her cheeks burned and burned till it seemed as if they would scorch the pillow against which she had leaned her aching head and then as if trying to excuse herself there would come over her again the joy she had felt but she must not give that as an excuse she knelt to pray but she could only sob softly into her pillow weary at last with the long excitement of the evening, and fully resolved, in some way, to make reparation for what she had done, she finally fell asleep, and slept until the sun was quite high in the heavens. It was a relief to her to find that the gentleman had gone downtown nearly an hour since, and that she and Evelyn were to be alone at breakfast. She did not want to meet Mr. Rutherford again until she could make her confession of wrong and then how how could she ever look him in the face again an hour later an escape seemed open for her her mother wrote that she was not very well and an invalid cousin had written that she was coming to spend a month mrs gray did not wish to hasten allison's return if she thought she was needed any longer in new york nor did she want her to come if she was having a pleasant time and wished to stay a little longer but if she felt that her visit was nearly over, they would all be glad to see her once more. With a cry of joy, Allison bent over and kissed the dear familiar writing, 
and then her face crimsoned again as she remembered what a tale of disgrace she would have to tell that fond mother yes she would go she would go at once she would take the evening train there would be plenty of time to pack and then she would get away from herself and forget this fearful surge of joy at the dreaded thing she had done last night and forget this young man before she could have his image too clearly fixed in her heart for that his companionship had been pleasant to her she could not deny he had but been kind to her of course as his sister's guest she must never forget that again for one little instant in some way she must plan to speak to him about last night it was an awful an almost impossible thing to do but she must do it for the honor of her religion and her family and herself richard rutherford had not been surprised that allison did not appear at the breakfast-table how shy and sweet she is he smiled to himself as he started downtown all day long he was in a transport of ecstasy it had been a delight to shield her from that howling mob the ride home had been all too short how soon could he dare to tell her of his great deep love for her must he wait until he had proved to her that his belief in her saviour was strong and true he must be very careful for she was a shy little soul he might frighten her before he had taught her to love him what joy was this that had been given to him right at the outset of the new life he had determined to live it seemed to him like a pledge of god's faithful loving-kindness what bliss to find another creature in the world whom he felt to be a part of his own soul he had been used to think this would never be and had in his heart admitted the charges of his friends that he was over fastidious but now here was one whom he could fully trust whom he could love and care for with his whole soul would she consent to belong to him would she ever drop that shy reserve and give her life into his keeping be his wife his heart leapt with a new thrill of understanding as he pronounced that word over to himself it had never seemed to him a particularly beautiful word before but now what word so sweet in the whole english language as wife it was therefore with intense dismay that he learned on coming home that afternoon somewhat earlier than usual that she was preparing to leave that evening and was at the moment engaged in packing it was evelyn who told him and sent him out to telegraph and engage a berth for the evening train as john had gone in another direction and there was need of haste if allison was not to sit up all night he went of course there was nothing else to do but his face was clouded over and his heart was heavy as lead the sunshine seemed suddenly to have left the day had the sun set so early why oh why had he not told her of his love before that he might have the right to make a protest now against such a hasty departure no that would never have done he might only have frightened her away the sooner what was he that he should suppose any girl was ready and willing to fall in love with him at once it is true there had been a time in his career when many girls had seemed to be at his beck and call and he had prided himself on being popular among them and able to have any one he wished but he was older now or had the light of love shown him his true self with all its shortcomings in a truer sense he sighed heavily and wished the car would not crawl so slowly but at last he was back at the house again he must plan in some way to see allison at once 
though he knew he ought not to venture to tell her of his feelings now in such a hurry but at least he could see her alone and tell her how sorry he was that she was going and perhaps but it was not likely it would be safe to risk it yet still he would see her how should he ask evelyn to send her down to the library on some trivial excuse or should he send the maid ah it would be an awkward business any way he could fix it then he turned the key in the latch and let himself in coming face to face with allison herself in the front hall poised with one foot on the lower stair her cheeks flaming and her bright eyes with a fixed determination mr rutherford may i see you just a minute she said and he knew that there was something unusual the matter he followed her to the music-room without saying a word anxiety written on his face she sat down in the firelit room it was growing dark now and reminded them both of the first sunday evening she had spent there what is it he asked in a strained voice i have a confession to make to you before i go away there was intense excitement in her voice and her fingers worked nervously together in her lap while the firelight played over her and showed her as a pretty picture of distress i hardly know how to tell you she went on rapidly looking down at the locked fingers but i must before i go i cannot have you misjudge my my religion or my upbringing or myself though i did wrong i do not know how to begin lest you will think i am condemning you also and i am not i know that you must think very differently about these things and and it would not be the same for you anyway she gasped choking a little at the remembrance of the miserable day and night she had spent i beg you that you will tell me what i have done miss gray i cannot imagine what it can be that you are accusing yourself of i assure you i am utterly unaware of anything he said with white face and voice that fairly trembled with intensity oh it is not you it is i i knew better i have always despised girls who allowed such familiarities i want you to know that i think that i did wrong it seems dreadful to have to speak of it at all she paused wishing he would help her but she saw he did not yet comprehend what she was talking about it is that i let you hold my hand last night she said desperately her face fairly blazing and her eyes filling with tears i am so so ashamed and i have spent such a miserable night and day i did not know that i could deliberately go on and do a thing that i knew was so wrong but i did and i could not go without telling you how sorry and ashamed i am did you think that was so very wrong asked the young man with intense voice gripping his hat which he still held in his hand as if it were trying to get away from him oh yes i think such things ought to be kept for just one that is i mean that a girl should not allow mere friends to take such liberties her embarrassment was intense in every word she spoke she seemed to herself to blunder worse she did not see the white stricken look on her companion's face she was occupied with her own distress i see he said still in that repressed tone but you must not blame yourself it was entirely my fault i remember now you did take your hand away i should have taken the hint it was rude and inexcusable in me but i do not think any of those terrible things of you that you have suggested it was not that i did not respect you you are as pure as a lily i beg you will forgive yourself 
as for myself i shall always regret that i have caused you this pain oh don't she said and he seemed to know that the tears had come again to her eyes and then evelyn was heard calling allison where are you the man has come for your trunk is it ready to lock and allison hastily wiped her red eyes and rushed back to her room the conversation at dinner was mainly between mr rutherford senior and allison he openly expressed his grief at her withdrawal from the family group he brought the bright blushes to her face by telling her that he was coming to regard her as another daughter and neither allison nor richard dared look up but each was smitten to the heart by the thought his words suggested both allison and richard had been counting on evelyn's cold to keep her at home they hoped to have opportunity to finish that uncomfortable talk in some way that would not leave them with such torn hearts and minds just how neither knew but each was looking forward to the ride to the ferry allison felt sure he would accompany her but neither had counted on mr rutherford senior just as evelyn had kissed allison good-bye and was wrapping her own fur cloak about her for the ride across the city he appeared in his overcoat with hat in hand i think i'll just go over along with you my son we want this little girl to understand that we are very loath to part with her and shall expect her back again as often and as soon as she can come it was a long speech for her father to make and evelyn marvelled at it and felt that she had done well to bring allison into their home her father had shown his tenderness for her so much of late it was growing very sweet to evelyn with a sudden impulse she said wait and flew up the stairs returning in a moment with a large fur-lined opera cloak and hood enveloping her i'm going myself she said i shall not catch cold in this and i cannot have you all go off without me it was an outwardly pleasant party that rode along through the lighted streets though two of them bore heavy hearts there would be no chance to say anything thought allison and she would have to go away remembering that grave hurt look on his face it almost broke her heart there shall be an opportunity made for me to ask her one question said the young man to himself as he ground his teeth with resolution in the dark yes even if i have to travel on to the next station for the purpose quite across the ferry they went with her and even into the train and sat chatting with her for a few minutes richard slipped away from them a moment to find the porter and make some little arrangement for the traveller and then coming back grew suddenly anxious lest evelyn would have to get off the train when it was moving he thought he never would get them to take leave he was so anxious about it that he almost forgot to shake hands with allison at all himself and then did it in a very hasty manner once they were finally outside and walking along by the train looking up to find her window he suddenly remembered that he wished to speak to the porter again and rushed back in spite of evelyn's warning that the last whistle was sounding he cared not he did not even pretend to look for that unnecessary porter he strode up the aisle to the surprised allison who had begun to settle into the dreary retrospect that she knew would be hers during the journey he cared not that his father and sister were looking through the window outside he bent over her and said in low tones which only she could hear did you mean that there was some one else are you engaged allison she met him with a relieved smile of astonishment oh no she said in such a free glad tone 
what made you think of such a thing please forgive me for making you feel so uncomfortable i cannot tell you what a happy time you have given me and oh please won't you get off quick i am afraid you will be hurt this last with that feminine anguish of face and voice in which even the strongest-minded women indulge when those they love are lingering beyond the warning all aboard he caught her hand his face lighting up once more and wrung it with a last good-bye and then ran while she watched anxiously till she saw him as the train moving rapidly now passed him on the platform where the rutherfords waved her farewell richard rutherford was not very talkative during the ride home his father and sister monopolized the conversation he was trying to justify his heart in feeling so much lighter than it had done during the drive down could it be possible that he had mistaken her meaning it had looked as though she were trying to tell him gently that she belonged to another or at least that she did not and could not care for him but she had disclaimed that with such a clear true look that he knew it could not be also there had been something else in her face taken unaware when he had returned to the car a lighting of joy it might or it might not mean good to him why had he been such a fool why had he not explained to her that it had been honest deep love for her that had prompted him to take her hand instead he had allowed her to leave his home thinking he was a dishonorable man a man who would toy with a girl's affection for an hour and think no more of it he never had been that kind of a man and he could not understand now why he had allowed himself to be silent still he had feared to tell his love when she seemed to be trying to show him that it was not for her something must be done he would justify himself now at all hazards she must know his love even if it frightened her and did seem premature when he reached home he wandered up toward his own room and in doing so passed the open door of her deserted room it was dark there but he could see the outline of the furniture from the light in the hallway he stepped in and sat down in a low rocking-chair and tried to think this room had but a few hours before sheltered her it seemed a hallowed place he would stay here a little while and think what he would do it might be that some sweet influence from its former occupant would show him the way he must write and tell her but he wanted guidance what would she do ah she would pray a few minutes afterward a light step entered the room and evelyn stood beside her brother her hand resting gently on his head dick dear she said tenderly what is the matter i couldn't help seeing can't you tell me about it he raised his head and kissed her hand there was an uplifted look on his face evelyn he said i am going to visit aunt joan and i am going to-morrow End of chapter 25